0: All right, Mike joins us, and uh, Gamecock fans are really, really ticked off at you, Mike. Really ticked off. Really? Yeah, really pissed off. I was. Not that I'm a Gamecock fan. I'm just saying, well, because Tuesday night I turn on the SEC Network to watch South Carolina, Missouri, and we've still got your game going. And your game yeah. your game bled over into Gamecock time and you can't have that. You cannot bleed over into Gamecock time.
1: I know, I know the nerve, the nerve of us all to uh, to do that. Uh, I I went ahead and uh, started a petition mm-hmm. uh, around the arena to end the game the moment the Gamecock game tipped off, regardless of how much time was left in our game. Mm-hmm. we would just end and that would be the final score. That was not met with uh, universal approval, so we kept playing.
0: Yeah. That was over in Athens, right? Where do they care about basketball?
1: Well, they're actually a little more excited than they have been because they got rid of Tom Crean, <laughs> uh, which was an abject disaster. Uh, my gosh, I don't know if a hire could have worked much worse than that unless they would have brought Darren Horn in for another run. Ooh. Um yeah, it's it, uh, actually they're they're actually feeling pretty good about things that they lost a disappointing game that the one you're referencing on Tuesday night, but I think Mike White will do a good job there. Look, George has been a classic, classic underachiever in college basketball. It's no secret, um, and quite frankly, they've made some very questionable hires with their head coaches. But uh, the Mike White hire makes sense, uh, and I, I think Mike White will. We'll get players there under NIL, and I think Mike White will do a pretty good job.
0: Yeah. Watched Alabama last night play Florida. Oh, my gosh. Alabama is so good. I mean, so good. They hired the right guy. This guy can coach. This guy can recruit. Uh, He puts those pieces together, and and they play a style. I mean, great defense, but, uh, boy, up and down the court, athletic. I mean, can they win the national championship at Alabama with this team?
1: I think so. Now, none of those players have made a deep run into a tournament. And, uh, you know, a, a couple of the key players, of course, one from right there in your backyard in South Carolina, mm-hmm. a, kid that, a kid that, from what I'm told, uh, the Gamecocks didn't get in on until late, which is unfortunate because he's probably going to be a first-round draft pick uh but they're uber talented but they're just inexperienced so sometimes those older teams do better in the ncaa tournament right i mean you take a look at some of the previous champions baylor was an old team virginia was an old team uh alabama is has got some veteran players like a quinterly who comes off the bench now sears is a transfer from ohio university but but yeah, they to me, and I've said this now for three months, <laughs> they're they're the most talented team in college basketball. They just are. Um, and when they when they when they're hitting shots like they were last night, they're simply unbeatable. So uh, I, I think they certainly have the capability to do so. Yes, but I, I never bet on a team that doesn't have that track record. To just go in there and win a title doesn't mean it can't happen, but it's very difficult. Speaking
0: of the Gamecocks, uh, I got to give them credit. Missouri's a good team, too. I mean, they've done a nice job out there with their new coach. Yeah. And they play really in-your-grilled defense, as you know. And the Gamecocks were in that ball game until the last five minutes when they couldn't make a shot. A lot of that was due because of Missouri's uh, defense. But let me, first of all, repeat what I said the other night and credit Lamont Paris for doing the right thing as a head coach and sitting G.G. G. Jackson for about five minutes. And mm-hmm. I thought that was appropriate. And then – that team played extremely hard, I thought. I think I thought, I thought. think they're playing hard. To me, a sign of a good coach in a bad season, does your team still play like it has something to play for? And uh, they don't have anything to play for except personal pride, but they're playing like they've got something to play for, and I think you have to credit Paris for holding this team together and continuing to get a lot out of them at this point.
1: Yeah, I would second that. I, I, I think that uh... – you know, there there are coaches in a similar situation, and you've got to make a decision. Uh, are you going to compromise kind of some of your, your values and, and tenets that you want to instill into your program to truly change the culture? And if so, you might sacrifice a win or two. Uh, are you truly going to kind of get your fingerprints on the program in year one? You've got nothing to lose in year one. Yeah. I, I know game, a lot of Gamecock fans are upset. Uh, and they just figure, oh, my goodness, this is a bad year, and therefore uh, maybe this wasn't a, a good hire. I mean, they might be saying that at LSU with Matt McMahon, who, they're, who has the same identical conference record. They might be saying that – now, you mentioned Georgia with Mike White. I mean, they've had improvement, but they're not having a great year. They might be saying that at Mississippi State with a first-year head coach. Uh, but if you're realistic about things, you realize you've got to take a step backward as a first-year coach in, in more in more uh, scenarios than, than one in order to take a couple of steps forward. And I think right now what those first-year coaches, including Coach Paris, are doing is they're taking their lumps, they're figuring out who their players are that they can build around, and they are going to hit the portal heavy in the off-season and get ready for – uh, a year two that no doubt will be improved, but all these games do mean something. I will say that um they, they they all are building blocks, and like you said, they're still competing, still going out there and playing hard. You still have some players that will be back next year that are making their case for more playing time, et cetera et cetera so i would I would agree with your assessment,
0: yeah, as you look at the league from top to bottom, and you think about the off season when it comes to the coaching carousel, will this be an off-season unless there's just something of major league surprise where everybody uh, stands put? Unless, you know, there's been talk of Texas maybe coming after Nate Oates at Alabama, but Alabama just, I think, extended him with a contract. But Mm -hmm. I doubt Kentucky's going to do anything with uh, Calipari since he's kind of got things turned around a a little bit there. Uh, And they got a chance to finish strongly and... And get their way into the tournament. But does it look like it's going to be a quiet offseason around the league from that standpoint? Unless somebody just ups and leaves for some reason.
1: Yeah, I I think it's got a chance to be painfully quiet. Hmm. Uh, And typically that's the way it works, right? Because you have six new coaches, which to my knowledge is unprecedented in the SEC. Mm -hmm. Six out of the 14 jobs flipped head coaches. Um, And a lot of the coaches that are around like a Jerry Stackhouse who picked up a big win last night. Uh, they haven't been around long enough to even put them on the hot seat, you know. the The only situation I think, and I, I I hate it because I think Kermit Davis is an exceptional coach, but he has had just if if he didn't have bad luck, he wouldn't have any luck at all. I think Ole Miss is going to be uh, a scenario where that could be in play, uh, and and that'll be interesting because they fired Andy Kennedy who's doing a very good job at UAB. um, And they haven't had much success at Ole Miss in a long, long time. So I I, I don't know what the feeling is there, but I do know they're having back-to-back rough years, and uh, certainly Kermit is feeling some heat over there.
0: Mike Morgan, Morgan on the move with us here on Sports Talk for a a couple of more minutes. You mentioned Vandy beating Tennessee in Nashville last night, a shot at the buzzer, three-pointer. They were down two hit the three from the corner, I believe. Great play. They got great penetration, dished it out to the corner, knocked it down just like Jerry Stackhouse drew it up, I'm sure. So, What does that say about Tennessee? Um, Does it say anything to you about Tennessee? Because at times they look like they could win it all, and there are times when it looks like they'll have a hard time getting past the second round.
1: Well, look, I I just had Tennessee on Saturday against Auburn, and while they won the game on a controversial finish, by the way, they, they, that was, <laughs> that was a painful game to broadcast. Um, we had a sellout crowd. We had a, we drew. I think what the number was 1.1 million viewers on ESPN. We had a, a two top 25 teams, but neither team got to 50 points. Uh, you could say that's great defense. I would also say that's not great offense. And uh, <laughs> ten, 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 Tennessee is struggling to score. Uh, and that's been the knock on Rick Barnes. Like Rick Barnes to me is a very good coach and they always defend well and they're well coached, but they don't have a ton of offensive firepower. They, they just don't. And, and that would concern me for a team that a lot of people think will be a one seed or a two seed. You know, eventually you, you do have to score points. You can't just rely on a, on a, on a t- great defense and their defense, make no mistake about it. It's outstanding. Uh, but that would be a concern for me. Hmm.
0: All right, let's talk real quick about Clemson going up to Chapel Hill. Uh, Funny, uh, North Carolina and Duke played on Saturday in Durham. Duke won. Then Duke goes to Virginia Tech, gets beat. And then North Carolina goes to Wake Forest and gets beat. So the post-rivalry hangover affected both of them, I guess, on the road, playing, you know, teams that were hungry that played well. Now Clemson's got to go up to Chapel Hill. Tar Heels have lost three in a row. Clemson's lost two in a row. Clemson still leads the ACC this could be a real knockout punch if Clemson can win up there, don't you think, in terms of the Tar Heels' postseason hopes, unless they get hot and make a run through the ACC tournament?
1: I'd have to look at their their numbers, their metrics. What is their net, uh, things of that nature. I, I don't know if they're, they're that far out just yet. I don't know if a loss to Clemson – would, would knock them out of the box. I, I Just off the top of my head, from what I remember looking at the ACC numbers and records, they would still be in fairly good shape to get to the tournament. I don't think there's a great team in the ACC this year. I mean, that's that's the, the, the difference between this year and years past. Uh, Duke is not great. Tar Heels aren't great. Uh,
0: but is that uh, fair? Virginia... Is that fair? Because when those two teams aren't great – People think the yeah. league is down, but don't you think Virginia is pretty good? Pittsburgh has gotten well, really good and playing good ball. Yeah. Miami's a good-looking team, um, but I yeah, hear what you're yeah, saying. But the perception yeah. of the ACC is when those two teams are down, the league's not good. And and look, the the conference uh, RPI is six, so yeah, it stands to reason, I guess, that the the league rises and falls on the fate of those two programs.
1: Well, you just um. A, I think you bring up a fair point, but B, you also brought up my point, which is the conference RPI is six for a reason, and and the, the, the conference RPI, that's just numbers. They don't care about blue blood bias or you know image of the league being good or bad based solely on on Duke and the Tar Heels. That's a different that's a different deal. It's, it, Miami is a good team and Virginia is a good team. You're absolutely right, uh, but overall, the strength of that league is not great. And, look, the SEC has been good in years past when Kentucky has been down. So you don't have to have your your blue, your blue blood great in order to be great. It's just not a terrific year for the ACC. Uh, and, look, I think Clemson's a terrific story, but I don't think this is the year that the ACC can look at itself in the mirror and say this is one of our better seasons in recent memory. I, there, there's been too many disappointments in that conference. And they'll get plenty of bids. I just don't know how many of those teams can go deep into the tournament. Like everything else in March, it's unpredictable, and we could probably revisit this, and I'll be flat-out wrong. But for right now, I don't see a dominating team in that league.
0: Yeah, that's why a few years ago I came up with a, a name for
1: that. I call it March Madness.
0: I don't know if you've heard that before, but that's what I came <laughs> up with.
1: Well, that's a brilliant concept. You yeah. have always been an innovator yeah. Uh, yeah. and a great thinker. Cutting edge, cutting edge.
0: So before we let you go, uh what will you be wearing what will your wardrobe be on saturday provided by brent skinner free of cost uh what will you be when they come to you in the pregame and the and the halftime chat chat what will you be looking like
1: well nothing is free in life phil you should you should know that but Mm -hmm. uh but i'll be going with uh i'll be going with a little lavender aka purple uh (laughs) on the jacket and uh Purple tie, uh, uh, po- pocket square. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's he's got the nice. Uh, it's got terrific pants selection. I don't. I prefer the prefer the sports coat to the suit. He's got both, mm. but you can get a really slick sports coat that'll go with almost anything, and then incredibly comfortable pants. Uh, they have half his wardrobe there is so from like from Italy. They they yep. make good stuff in Italy. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, that's uh, that's where I'm leaning for my uh, next assignment.
0: And, and and what color rouge in the makeup category? They, who puts the makeup on you? Is there a makeup artist there that puts it on uh, you oh, folks? Oh, heck
1: no. No, we don't have that. those. That's the big-time uh, studio people. They have makeup people. We're on our own, and uh, the, the farthest I go into the makeup well is a slight, and I stress the word slight, powder, just so when the lights are beaming on my head, it doesn't shine, reflect back, and and blind the people watching at home.
0: <laughs> no lipstick, huh? you don't, you don't, you don't
1: paint no the lipstick, lips a little no bit. No lipstick, no blush. No, no, no. Uh, you know, nowadays that 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 would certainly be accepted. But no, yeah. I don't. I don't go that way. Uh, just a slight powder. That's about it.
0: Okay. By the way, I shared yeah. with uh, Chris Bergen today. I didn't want to bring it up on the air, but I shared the story of you and. Uh, Susan Walvius and Michelle Marciniak from <laughs> years ago at a local you, restaurant and uh, he he, he yeah. got a kick out of that story.
1: Yeah, you you you've got like the same five stories. <laughs> They're so I'm, good.
0: That's why I keep uh, them.
1: They're so good. Well, I'm flattered to be part of your playlist of stories cuz I I've got at least three or four of your five that come up. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm just I'm glad to be a part uh, of that. But yes, uh that was quite an experience. Uh, the, the Tom Price stories are legendary. Yes. Uh, yeah, I've got I've got a few. When, when the book comes out, Phil, I'll make sure you write the uh, the forward. I look forward to that.
0: To writing the forward, absolutely, and the backward. I'll write the backward and the, and backward. the forward. Yeah. You could even write the middle. What the I'll hell? Write the middle. Listen, you have a great Good. call. Where are you Saturday?
1: I am actually off Saturday. Uh, Next Tuesday, I will be in Columbia to do the uh, Gamecock Vanderbilt game. Well, we look forward
0: to uh, meeting you for lunch.
1: I I I hope I will hear from you. Typically, when you call Phil Cornblut, it's voicemail, and I know you wake up about one thirty in the afternoon. Just call my people. Show. Just call my people. uh, That's all. Just call my people. Insane show prep from uh, one thirty to six (laughs) o'clock, and. uh, and then you get ready for the East Coast Hockey League report. I understand. There's a lot going on there. <laughs> How are the Inferno I, doing this year? They the East, East Coast. <laughs> I
0: do miss the East Coast Hockey League report. Yes, that indeed. That
1: was Radio Gold. Yeah. Please bring that back to yeah. your audience. That
0: and Kyle Petty's notebook. Those were great moments on Sports Talk.
1: Kyle Petty's note. How about behind the ropes? Are we doing behind the ropes anymore?
0: But you know what? I miss behind the ro- inside the ropes. Inside the ropes. Inside no, the ropes. Inside, inside the ropes. Even inside the ropes. better. Inside the ropes. Even better. Went than away a the ropes. few years ago, Mike. Thank you so much the for the How about the Schuster-Clemson uh,
1: commissary report? Are we, are we is that all? <laughs> no.
0: Schuster's on to bigger and better things and oh, bothering right, us right. here on Sports well,
1: Talk. Bring that back, please. Bring it
0: back. Uh, Good to talk it, to you. The great programming, just like uh, Morgan on the move. Everything <laughs> oh, we touch turns to gold here. All right, go on. We'll it see does. you. Talk to you next week. All right. And see you next Adios. week, baby. All right, thank you. Mike Morgan, uh, Morgan on the move here on Sports Talk. Quite the one and only individual, Mike Morgan.